amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. From the north side of the San Francisco Bay to Singapore, welcome to Urban X Real Talk Fitness Radio with your host, business owner, lecturer, author, master trainer, Tiaja, with over 30 years of experience in the health and fitness industry. He will challenge the fitness between your ears. So prepare your mind, body, and soul for the revolution of self-care, the evolution of fit, with real talk about real people, real health, real fitness, and the real deal behind our present illness culture. Real talk every time, all the time. Get weekly insights on how to shift your thinking, emoting, eating, training, hydrating, goal setting, and resting for you, the everyday athlete. You can cheat your fitness, but you can't steal your health flow. It's Tuesday, 9 a.m. Let's flow. In the 17th century, René Descartes, the noted French philosopher and mathematician, announced the location of the human soul wrapped in what he thought was a mechanical vehicle, the human body. Later, Isaac Newton offered his metaphor for understanding the interaction of those so-called mechanical vehicles. He expounded on the laws of motion governing the physical universe. Meanwhile, throughout the Western world, science was giving up on its comforting notion of an interventionist god one who through his omniscience and omnipotence was able to put the human house aright. The conclusion, which was hardly scientific, introduced the idea that, quote, there must be a parallel laws governing the social world, governing our interaction with one another, end quote. This became known as the mechanistic worldview, which began to take shape and was primarily developed by Western thinkers from the 17th century onward. Dazzling, uninterrupted breakthroughs in technological innovation, from the spinning jenny to steel mills, from bulldozers to dishwashers, permeated ever more aspects of our lives. The ubiquitous presence of machines confirming our sense that indeed the world can best be understood in mechanical terms. This combination of notions fueled the idea of materialism and the rule of human affairs by discoverable laws which has had profound implications for the social order we have created. And instead of trusting our capacities for common problem solving, we sought desperately and believed we had found laws governing the social world, governing life and death matters of economics, of social justice, laws that determine who eats and who does not. The more choices we gave over to these laws, the better off we would be, so we thought. So much for how we arrived at many of the thoughts and notions we esteem today. Welcome to Urban X Real Talk Fitness Radio. I'm your host, Tiaja. It's Tuesday, October 31st, 2017. And that can only mean one thing. It is Halloween across this great land and diets of all kinds are being tossed out the window in exchange for sugary treats. And for many adults, that will also mean sugar and alcohol. Well, there are kids on the roads tonight, folks. So I beg you to please drink responsibly and don't drive 
drunk. We want all our kids and their families to enjoy the festivities. We want everyone alive. Anyway, that was my public service announcement for this day. But on today's show, episode 13, I'll be discussing the much debated and often controversial topic of veganism. Veganism as a dietary choice is probably a good thing, maybe even a great thing, yet it's what they didn't tell you about veganism that is where I believe it gets controversial. For at its core, veganism is as much a religion as it is a trending dietary choice and philosophy of consciousness. Much of what we call education has blocked our capacity to listen and to feel guilty about anything. Ironically, we are sensitive, too sensitive, but our sensitivity is more self-seeking than it is compassion-based. And for me, here is where the problem arises. It's not the institutions of the market or private rights. The problem is converting one's privacy rights into fixed laws. The mechanistic viewpoint or worldview creates an unnatural schism between some basic desires as human beings versus what we're given by our government, our laws, and our education. So what happens then? Let me share with you one experience in particular I believe will help make my point just a bit clearer. Nancy was a middle-aged woman with a small, modest frame. She stood five feet seven inches tall, but weighed no more than a buck and some change. When I first saw her, I thought she looked a bit too frail and her muscle bellies appeared sorely underdeveloped. In workout vernacular, that meant she looked soft. In fact, her arm muscles looked like they had lost their capacity to do any kind of work. Now, if that were the case, then this could be problematic. So when doing my obligatory interview, I couldn't help but discuss with her my concerns relative to what I perceived as potential protein and even magnesium deficiencies. This is how the conversation went. Nancy, I have a bit of a concern here. Looking at your medical history, you look like you look as if you've had some iron deficiency issues. Nancy, yes, I've had my fair share of battles with anemia, but I'm supplementing with iron now. Me. Okay, great. You also mentioned having some circulation issues like tingling of the feet and occasional numbness in your extremities, Nancy. Yes. Me. Oh, so are you also supplementing with B12 or magnesium? Now total silence followed by this blank stare. And for several more minutes, several more minutes passed before she finally decided to answer. So what are you getting at? Getting at? Yes, getting at. Do you interrogate all your clients in this manner or only the ones who are vegan? Hey, hey now wait a minute. Interrogation? I ask all my clients similar questions based on the short medical history they provide me. There is no interrogation going on here and I've had dozens of clients who are vegetarian. Nancy, well I'm not vegetarian. They're no better than meat eaters. Silence. Are you a meat eater, Tiaja? Me. I've been known to eat things that have parents, I said, trying to offer a moment of levity. So eating animals is an effing joke to you. Whoa! 
That's hardly necessary. I was just trying to make a joke to lighten the moment. Yeah, whatever, what an ass. Nancy stormed out of the gym, but not before filing a complaint with the manager, as well as later writing a long letter to the corporate office, attentioning it to the CEO about me. Needless to say, Nancy never became a client. But like Nancy, I've had other clients who were also offended once they discovered I ate meat so that they, they, they no longer wanted me to be their personal trainer. Then I've had others who were determined to convert me, as they called it. Convert me? As I began to study this philosophy called veganism, it struck me as strange how people on the one hand could be so passionate about the rights of animals, while on the other could be so utterly dogmatic and ideologically irrational about my right not to eat vegan. No disrespect to Descartes and his colleagues, but I'm not a believer in the mechanistic worldview. I believe that mankind was designed to have a covenant relationship with not only animals, but with the whole of creation. That there is an interdependence between all forms of life, organic and inorganic. This is why plants are arrayed with such colors and frequencies so that they can attract pollinators such as bees. The bees get some sugar out of the relationship and the plants get to continue their species. It's that simple to me. So the idea that because I choose to eat meat that I'm insensitive to the suffering of animals is ridiculous. Just for the record, I'm not, and I'm not unique here, I'm a huge opponent of the entire factory farming industry and the genome modification enterprises that are steeped in the mechanistic worldview that when applied to economics is nothing more than a corporate oxymoron which simply means corporate greed. I don't know one rational human being who has ever thought otherwise. So the notion all meat eaters are incompassionate is completely bogus as is all vegans stand on the bully pulpit. They clearly do not. Still I have no qualms about anyone's choice to be vegan. I can clearly see both the choice of consciousness and health explanation, not as an argument per se, but rather as nothing more than another path to achieving health. However, the one problem I do have with veganism, actually two, the first is that it is an ism. Now historically, any ism, no matter what its ultimate purpose, has always had a tendency to divide the whole of humanity. In the United States, in the mid-19th century, for instance, the phrase isms was used as a collective derogatory term to lump together the radical social reform movements of the day, such as slavery, abolitionism, or feminism, or alcohol, prohibitionism, or pacifism, or communism, or socialism, etc., as well as various spiritual or religious movements such as transcendentalism, or Mormonism, spiritualism, and even Luciferianism. Listen to what one well-known vegan advocate had to say. Quote, they will change only, meaning meat eaters, when they are persuaded that it is healthier for them or more convenient or less expensive, perhaps when so many people become vegan that they begin to worry about standing out from the mainstream and being publicly shamed for a diet that has come to such to seem barbaric. End of quote. Publicly shamed for choosing to eat meat? As I mentioned, I'm all in for the health and consciousness movement, but when you start to interject ideas and words like publicly shaming, you're no longer talking about health. 
unless you are doing so strictly from a mechanistic worldview. Let's not forget that the whole idea of eating vegan didn't come about until 1944 when Donald Watson coined the term and co-founded the Vegan Society in England. For decades thereafter, to be a vegan essentially meant you were a non-dairy vegetarian. But all that changed in 1951. The doctrine changed to man should live without exploiting animals. I'm all, I'm all on board for that as well. However, the second problem I have with veganism is that it presumes Darwinian evolution. That is, many vegans preach that since humans evolved from primates, they should follow diets similar to their primitive ancestors. While citing example after example of how the biggest land mammals eat mainly a vegetarian diet, diet feeding on stems and bamboo shoots and fruits. Moreover, apes in the wild don't develop obesity and diabetes or heart disease. Thus vegans conclude that since apes don't eat meat or refined grains and sugar, and they've managed to avoid such modern lifestyle diseases, humans should eat like that as well. Look, there are two main sources of food for human beings, plant and animal. Physiologically speaking, one digests very slowly, the other very quickly. So when it comes to eating, there are two spectrums. You eat you either eat a predominantly plant-based diet or primarily a meat-based diet. That's it. Now bear in mind, there's a reason apes have a longer digestive tract than humans do, which allows them to eat to be more eat more efficiently uh, and extract nutrients from plants. And of course, the counter-argument is yes, human physiology has evolved beyond the need for a longer digestive tract. But still, that doesn't mean our diet should be different from apes. Come again? That's precisely what that does mean. The mere fact humans have shorter digestive tracts and require more protein is certainly an interesting counterpoint, but this argument alone is no different than the vegans' argument about whether or not humans should be omnivores. After all, the vegan believes that though we have four incisors for cutting and tearing meat, we lack claws or true canines and strong hydrochloric acid in our stomachs to digest meat. All the while ignoring the research that shows that even though humans don't have the same bodies as carnivores in the wild, learning to cook and eat meat successfully actually distinguishes us from apes and if not genetically evolved us from them, it certainly has done so socially. Still, veganism makes up only a small percentage of the world. In, in fact, in the United States, only 0.5% of the population is truly vegan. That's approximately 1 million people. Yet there has been countless documentaries made about veganism with the purpose of educating and converting omnivores. But has there ever been a purely vegan society historically? That is purely out of choice and not scarcity? And can you be fervently passionate about animal rights and their right to life without taking up such human causes as global human rights as well as the right to life for unborn? Or is it possible to square the differences through a mechanistic worldview? See, it's my hope that regardless of who you are or what you do or what you choose to believe or eat, if you want to help create a better world for animals or humans or plants or trees or oceans, then we must become the change we seek and we must do so in a hurry. 
Dear friends, I wish above all things that you be in health and that you prosper just as your soul prospers. In part two of what they don't tell you about veganism, I'm going to go deeper into the psychology and the biology and physiology uh, and philosophy of the isms behind veganism. So please join us next week. Uh, you have been listening to Urban X Real Talk Fitness Radio. This is Tiaja. Until next week, walk in health and peace. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.